You're listening to the voice of the future, fighting for America every day. This is the conservative crusader. And here's your host, GOP Josh. Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in to this Tuesday edition here on the Red Future Radio Network. Very excited to be joining you today with some big news to talk about, our little synopsis before we move forward. The Supreme Court leak investigation heats up. Clerks are now required to turn over their phone records to try to see who leaked this document to the press. Canada is trying to cap their market for handguns with new legislation. Uh, Canada is seen as a, an ally of the United States, a partner of the United States. We could see Biden moving forward with this. I'll explain that more in that segment. And President Trump had a rally in Wyoming we're going to go over today as well. But first, Nancy Pelosi's husband was involved in a crash and a DUI arrest over the weekend. But I want to say something else before we get to that. You've heard me the past about a week now say before every segment red future radio right i've said this is the conservative crusader on the red future radio network that's because myself along with my friends hayden ferguson and samuel mcguire both friends i've been on the campaign trail during this primary season are starting the red future radio network Uh, this network will be an informational outlet free from corporate censorship free from corporate Influence free from the the restrictions that corporate media will put on you. Uh, if you follow Matt Mayer, he is a a correspondent formerly with 610 WTVN uh, Opportunity Ohio. He was actually censored from speaking on 610 about a certain issue. Now, I'm not saying we're, we're rivaling 610. I'm just saying that, that something like that's a big influence to why we decided to start this. Is the fact that people are being censored on on normal radio, people are being censored on normal shows, and we need to have a no-censorship sort of outlet so people can say what they believe and say what's going on in the world and say what's going on in the state of Ohio and the country. So that's the Red Future Radio Network. Go to redfutureradio.com to find all of our social medias, our Facebook, Twitter, and Truth Social are there. Follow us on those platforms. Uh, If you're on the computer, you'll see a big picture. You have to scroll down a little bit and click on the platforms. It'll say copyright 2022, and then you'll be able to click on the platforms there at redfutureradio.com. I'm very excited for the the Unapologetically Constitutionally Conservative show by Hayden Ferguson and the Samuel McGuire show from yours, or not yours truly, but um, from from Samuel Samuel McGuire himself, obviously the name of the show. Very excited for that. we got big things coming, and I cannot wait to move forward with that. I just wanted to get that out of the way and explain why I've been saying that to build up some hype. We are looking for a launch later in June. So Nancy Pelosi, who obviously we we know most people have the the thought that she's a drunk, right? They they think that she is not the most sober person in the world. She's not the, the best with her... Her alcohol input, you know, that, I mean, you, you you can think that if you want. I'm not going to say she is or not, but her husband was arrested after being involved in a crash and was arrested for driving under the influence. He blew in the breathalyzer over a .08 blood level. 
Now, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband was involved in a two-vehicle collision before his DUI arrest Saturday night, CNN reported on Monday. Paul Pelosi was attempting to cross in Napa County State Route 29 in a 2021 Porsche late Saturday when he was in a collision with a 48-year-old man driving a 2014 Jeep, the California Highway Patrol said the New York Post reported. CHP didn't identify either driver as being at fault in the crash and there were no injuries reported. The Jeep driver was not arrested. TMZ first reported that Paul was arrested just before midnight. His blood alcohol content was registered at .08 or higher. His bail was set for $5,000 for the first two misdemeanors driving under the influence and driving with a blood alcohol content level of .08 or higher. The speaker will not be commenting on the private matter. Drew Hamill, a spokesperson for Nancy Pelosi, told the Associated Press over the weekend she was not in California. She was actually in Rhode Island giving a commencement speech. And before we move on, if I was in college and I I worked four years or eight years or 12 years or however long these students were there for to get their degree, and my commencement speaker was Nancy Pelosi, I'd give them my degree back. I I, I would, you know, I, I don't think I want the, this school on my record anymore if you're going to give give speeches to these, to these influential people who hate our country. So you know what? You can take my degree back. You, you can have it back now. Here's this piece of paper you gave me that's supposed to represent the rest of my life. Take this paper back now. I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> I, I don't know how college works. I'm not a college student. Obviously, I'm 15 years old, 16 in just a few days, but, and by the way, before I move on, if you, if you want to like send in a, make it a little easier for my birthday show, send in a, a voicemail or something at um, anchor.fm slash the conservative crusader, I greatly appreciate it, gopjosh.com slash show. But yeah, she was arrested for a, 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 or he was arrested, sorry, for a DUI. Of all crimes to be arrested for, as someone with a, uh, let's see here, Paul Pelosi net worth, he was a former venture, venture capitalist, so he has plenty of money. He has a, let's see here. Nancy Pelosi has a personal fortune of about $114 million. Paul Pelosi has a fortune of about $120 million. So he does not have a low supply of funds. He could easily have gotten an Uber from wherever he was going to wherever he was going. He could have easily gotten some sort of transportation, some sort of driver. He's old enough to that he, could, he doesn't need to drive, right? He could have a driver. It'd be pretty simple. He'd be able to be safe, keep every other driver on the road safe. But no, he 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 was selfish and he drove. And this outlines a a higher problem with with the alcohol culture in America and with the the drunk driving culture in America. Is if that accident would have went the other way, the Jeep driver and reportedly a passenger could have been injured or killed, and Paul Pelosi could have been injured or killed. Right, that that's the, the the sad truth to the drunk driving culture. That's a sad truth to the DUI culture. That's a sad dr- truth to the party culture. And I'm not saying 82 year old Paul Pelosi is a pretty heavy partier. I'm just saying that's a general overview I've seen from from my time following traffic, from listening to the radio, is how many DUIs, how many drunk drivers cause problems on the road, and how much lives can change because of these drunk drivers, because of these people driving improperly driving with with no care in the world as Paul Pelosi did. He crossed a highway. Didn't stop at a stop sign. He he crossed a highway and he was T-boned by the the Jeep driver. If he gets off this without a jail sentence, without a community service charge, without a, a, a fine, I mean, he'll have a fine, obviously, but 
if he gets off with a smack on the wrist, there is a problem with that, right? There's a problem with our justice system. If people have been paying attention to this, this Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial, which has been pretty interesting, just the clips I've seen on, on Instagram. But paying attention to this, this trial in this process, this process with Paul Pelosi, will be significantly more important. Because if there's a justice system that won't bring justice to the speaker's husband for running through a stop sign or running through a stoplight or running through this this supposedly blocking something that's supposed to stop you from crossing a highway, if he just runs through that with no care in the world and he gets off the scot-free, I will lose faith in the justice system. I will lose faith in the police. I will lose faith in this for forever. He could have killed someone. People could be dead right now because of the, the carelessness, carelessness of Paul Pelosi. This isn't a, a laughing matter, and I, I will admit that I did my fair share of laughing tweets, but this isn't a laughing matter. This isn't a matter that should be that should just be forgotten about. This will, this will go through the media cycle. It'll be gone in two days. And we'll forget about it. And, and when the trial comes around, because of how high of a media cycle we're in, how much news is going on, who knows if it even existed at that point. It's going to be gone in two days. But by Friday, no one in the mainstream media, no one in most independent media will be talking about it. We can't forget that Paul Pelosi risked the lives of himself and every other driver on the California roads when he decided to drive drunk. And this shouldn't be a special... Rules for thee, but not for me situation. There shouldn't be a do what I say, not as I do situation. He did the crime. He needs to do the, he needs to do the time. And he needs to feel the consequence of his actions. If this was a, a young driver, a 21-year-old that happened to this too, I mean, he, he posted $5,000 bail before he basically got in jail, right? He served no time. He served nothing. He did nothing. He did not pay for his his situation. He can go out and buy a new Porsche tomorrow. So we need to remember this. We need to remember that going forward, the Paul Pelosi's family, the, the Pelosi family, the the Biden family and Hunter Biden, the the politicians' families should not get off from crimes scot-free. Someone could have died. And not saying this has anything to do with Memorial Day, but the appropriateness of the weekend being a Memorial Day weekend, being the weekend that people are mourning over their dead family members, their their dead servicemen and women, that's utterly inappropriate behavior. That is utterly inappropriate, and it's absolutely disrespectful. It's absolutely... It's, uh, that's the kind of guy... That's probably the second most powerful man in government, right behind Chuck Schumer, or third most powerful man in government. He's not even in government. But the influence he probably has over Nancy Pelosi is insane. We can't let this just get washed away in the media cycle. We can't let this just be forgotten about. We can't let this just go away. We, we, we can't let this hide behind the wayside. We can't let this... This, this go away. We, we, we can't let this hide. 
Nancy Pelosi's husband, the husband of the third most powerful or second most powerful woman in government, second only to, to Kamala Harris. We can't let this go away. We can't let this hide. And we can't let this story get washed away to the wayside. My name is Joe P. Josh. This is the Conservative Crusader on the Red Feature Radio Network. My name is Joe P. Josh. Like I said, be right back right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. This is the Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader on the Red Feature Radio Network. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in. Staying through through the break. Sorry I didn't have an episode yesterday, but it was Memorial Day. We were remembering and honoring the veterans and soldier men and women and, and servicemen and women who died in service fighting for our freedom. And I don't want to get somber. I don't want to get sad. I don't want to get... I don't want to spend my time today on air crying. I'm not going to cry, but you know, you know what I'm trying to get at. But I, And I don't want to make it political, but as you see the threats to our freedoms every single day brought forth by people on both sides of the aisle, you have to wonder if it's worth it. You have to wonder if these 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 soldiers who are going into battle, going into the these war-torn countries fighting for America, fighting for freedom, fighting for our constitutional republic, if it's worth it. When here on the homeland, the, the president of the United States goes on the record multiple times saying the Second Amendment is an absolute. When we have two years of a virus lockdown, a, a lockdown that that tramples on our freedoms, Remember that when they wrote the Constitution, they wrote our freedoms, they wrote it down in ink. That they, It doesn't go away during a virus. When they wrote down the Second Amendment, there's not a clause saying, well, if someone shoots people with the guns, shoots humans, well, you can just take them away from everyone. That's not in there, and it is absolute. So you have to wonder, is it worth... Going into the military, is it worth serving our country? Is it worth it? Is it worth going in there and risking your life for the administration currently in power to trample on your freedoms, trample on our values, trample on the ability to own firearms, and eventually trampling on your freedom of speech? That's what we see right now. That's what we're experiencing right now. In America, it is is an administration too desperate for their political views to go forward to help their donors who just so happen to be major, whatever you want to call them, major gun grabbers, right? That they're willing to trample on the freedoms people fought and died for to pass their legislation, to pass their restrictions without actually paying attention to what would solve the problem. So to those who laid down their life for this country, we are forever indebted to you. 
We don't deserve the sacrifice you made as a country right now. But we thank you and we honor you and we remember you. And I'm sorry that the people in power want to take the freedom away that you fought for when you laid your life and you laid your life down for. And that's all I got to say for now. On that. But we do have a a segment kind of related to what I was talking about before. Let me find the video clip here. This is Justin Trudeau yesterday. Play clip. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. As a further part of this new legislation, we're also fighting gun smuggling and trafficking by increasing maximum criminal penalties and providing more tools for law enforcement to investigate firearm crimes. And we'll require the permanent alteration of long gun magazines so they can never hold more than five rounds. These are actions that doctors, experts, and chiefs of police have been calling for for years and we're acting on their advice. I also want to thank the advocates, many of whom are here today, for your tireless efforts. I know that for too many of you, grief and loss are at the root of the work that you do. I want to recognize that, and on behalf of all Canadians, I want to thank you for your strength. That is Justin Trudeau, Justin Castro giving a speech about his new policy to ban handguns in Canada. To cap the market for handguns in Canada. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's government introduced legislation Monday that would put a freeze on importing, buying, or selling handguns. Quote, we are capping the number of handguns in this country, unquote, Trudeau said. The regulations to halt the growth of personally owned handguns is expected to be enacted this fall. Canada already has a plans to already has plans to ban 1500 types of military style firearms and offer a mandatory buyback program that will begin at the end of the year. It already expanded their background checks. What stops the United States from doing the same besides the second amendment because they don't seem to care about the second amendment? And I ask that because according to the Wake Up Right newsletter Biden said this yesterday after getting off of of Air Force One or whatever the airplane's called, Marine One. A twenty-two caliber bullet will lodge into the lung and we can probably get it out and may be able to save, to get it and save the life. A nine millimeter bullet blows the lung out of the body. So the idea of these high caliber weapons is uh, there's simply no rational basis for it in terms of thinking about self-protection and hunting. He then told the press yesterday that the Second Amendment was never absolute and claimed you couldn't even buy cannons previously. He claimed you couldn't buy cannons and the Second Amendment was introduced, which is a lie. Fact check for Pinocchios. 
Canada is seen as an ally to the United States, and they're seen as a, in the eyes of the press, in the eyes of the administration in power, as an as a strong ally and a strong basis. What the rest of North America can do, what the rest of uh, of the United States and what Mexico can do. So, Canada capping their market, so to speak, on handguns. Canada stopping anyone from purchasing handguns. I don't know if it'll do what they expect it to do. But I do know this is major. And I know this is a threat on the freedom of Canadians as it is the threat on on the freedom of America. And like 96% of my audience is in America, so not very many of you are in Canada. But still. The threat to the freedom of Canada, the threat of the freedom of the nation up north, instead of that state up north for Michigan, that that nation up north for Canada, the threat of our nation, the the threat of nation up north, Canada, is a threat to the nation as a whole and the world as a whole, specifically involving the United States, specifically. So please, watch the next few weeks, maybe in the next coming years, where where Biden will introduce legislation to ban handguns and ban long-style rifles and continue banning guns until, oh, well, I I guess there are no guns left. You can still buy them, but you, you can't sell them legally, or you can still sell them, but you can't legally buy them. To where technically you can keep and bear arms, but you can't get the get the arms. That's what they're going to do. That's going to be their method of madness, so to speak. And, and I, I'm just scared for our freedom to be taken away. And the reason they want to take away the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment, if I can pronounce words today, isn't to stop mass shootings. Which there isn't really a description for mass shootings, but anyways. That isn't the reason. The reason is because they know that the Founding Fathers put the Second Amendment as the second addition to the Constitution outside of the basic articles because they knew it would stop people from taking the first. And I'm not saying we have a a, a rebellious government or a rebel against our government with violence. But I am saying if in 1776, in 1775 and around that time, if they didn't do the same thing, we'd be under British control right now. And when you haven't fought in a major war, in a a freedom war, when you haven't fought in in these battles like I haven't either, you wouldn't know that that this is such a major thing. You know, if if the citizens can't own guns, you, you can't. You can't rebel. You you can't legally own the things needed to rebel. And America was founded on revolution. America was founded on freedom, founded on the ability to to free yourself from from the bindings of the monarchy. And I'm not saying America's a monarchy, but I am saying eventually no nation lasts forever. We'll have to free ourselves from the monarchy or free ourselves from the dictatorship or free ourselves from 
the freedom trampling president. It will eventually have to happen again. I'm not calling for it. I'm not saying we need to do it right now. I'm just saying you can't take away our ability to do that. I wish, I I wish, if, if I had one wish that I could do from any time in history, I would have the author of the Second Amendment come back and talk to, the, to Joe Biden, or, or talk to his handlers, rather, because I don't think he'd remember what they said to him, and talk to him about why the, the, the Second Amendment is actually, obs- is, is actually absolute. Because it is absolute, and we can't let it not become absolute. But we are going to move on here on the Conservative Crusader on the Red Feature Radio Network because we do have big news in the, the Roe v. Wade leak. The Supreme Court is clerk, is asking clerks of justices for their phone records. This is from Joan Biskupic at CNN. Supreme Court officials are escalating their search for the source of the leaked draft opinion that would overturn Roe v. Wade, taking steps to require law clerks to provide cell phone records and sign affidavits. Three sources with knowledge of the efforts have told CNN. Some clerks are apparently so alarmed over the move, particularly the sudden request for private cell data, that they have been exploring whether to hire outside counsel. The court's move are unprecedented and the most striking development to date in the investigation into who might have provided Politico with a draft opinion it published on May 2nd. The probe has intensified the already high tensions of the Supreme Court. The conservative majority is poised to roll back half a century of abortion rights and privacy protections. Chief Justice John Robert met with the law clerks as a group after the breach. Tienan has learned, but has not known whether any systemic or systematic individual interviews have occurred. I think we need to get to the bottom of of who leaked this document. I, I'll completely agree with anyone on the Supreme Court, anyone on any any side with that. But I, I feel like there's a privacy concern here. If there is a certain limit that, oh well. These are private cell records. I, th- I think there had to be something in their in their employment contract or something in their employment employment. Uh, what's it called? Agreements to say that yeah, you can search my phone, you can search my records, you can look at my text messages and my phone calls. And if that's not included in there, I don't know if it's legal to request this. I mean, I feel like the con- the. the I feel like the Supreme Court would know if it's legal or not, but I don't know if it is. And obviously the clerks of these justices don't know if it is either. They're they're looking into getting outside counsel because their information is being taken. Their, their, their personal information is being taken. These aren't office phones. These are personal private cell data. This is per, personal private cell data, cell data. And I'm not sure if that's the business of the court or not. And I'm not sure if this is the best move to try to find out who this is or not. They have the resources of the U.S. government. They have the Patriot Act. They have this and that. They can get to the bottom of this without taking the rights of the clerks. And I think they should be able to narrow it down by this point. I don't think every single clerk should have to do it. I mean, people on Twitter have been able to identify possibly two or three different people it could have been. So why do they need the the cell data of every clerk? Why do they need the private information of every clerk who didn't do the crime. If they use an incognito phone or a burner phone to contact this journalist, 
if they used their spouse's phone or their spouse's email, their spouse's connections, or they didn't actually do anything over the phone. And this data leads to nothing that is that is data breached by the Supreme Court forever. These people will never be able to get back the, the privacy they'll never be able to get back from their employer. So I'm not sure if this is the best move or not. I believe we need to get to the bottom of this and fast. But I don't know if taking the the private data of the employees of the Supreme Court is the best move. I don't know if this will lead to anything. I mean, I can't remember the name of the lady now, but but Will Chamberlain put out a, a an excellent thread on Twitter. I linked it in one of the former shows. I went over it in one of the former shows. Where he basically identified who it was with connections through her husband to the journalist. Now, why would she she call him personally? If I were her, I'd be like, hey, honey, can you go to the Politico office and, and drop this off for the journalist? Hey, honey, can you go to the, the this meeting point where you talk to this journalist and, and drop this off? Or can you call the journalist yourself and drop this off? I don't think it'd be a, hey, honey, I'm going to call your friend and... And give him this information about a story. I think it'd be go through your spouse or go through who you know, who a mutual connection. So I don't know if if they've looked at that. I'm sure they have. I don't know how they couldn't. But if they have and they see that, cell data wouldn't be the smartest way to get that information. Wouldn't be the smartest way to find out who leaked it, knowing these connections are there. And I don't know anyone who texts their spouse. I mean, I, I don't have a spouse, but text their spouse going, Hey, can you send this to your friend? Uh, hey, sitting over dinner. Hey, hey, can you send this to your friend? Are they going to subpoena the information Google takes from your phone where they're listening to like every conversation you have? Are they going to subpoena that information and go through the conversations people have with, with a smart device in their pocket? Is that the next plan to find out who did this? There's a certain level of privacy you have, even depending on where you work. Even if you work for the Supreme Court, you still have a level of privacy. And I don't think that should be trampled because of one bad apple who decided to leak a story to the press. When we return, it'll be a quick segment going over our last segment of the show, going over Trump's rally in Wyoming. When we return here on the Conservative Crusader, be right back. Stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. This is the Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. Thank you for staying to the break for our final segment here on the Conservative Crusader on the Red Future Radio Network. Former President Donald Trump handed a 2024 presidential run at a campaign rally in Casper, Wyoming, Saturday. Yeah, there's no way President Trump doesn't run again. Let's let's be honest. Does anyone want me to run again? Trump asked, following by a roaring crowd, followed by a roaring crowd. The former president held the rally in support of Harriet Hegman, the primary opponent of Republican Wyoming Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney. Trump took shots at President Joe Biden's administration for the continuing rise in gas and oil prices, touting their significantly lower costs during his time in office. Then he said the way to stop the war in Ukraine is to bring down the price of oil. We had $1.87 per gallon gasoline. Think of that. Now it's getting close to $9 today. That's like three massive tax increases. Energy independence is soon. Energy independence and soon we were going to be in an energy dominant, and we were going to be bigger in a short period of time than Russia and Saudi Arabia combined, much bigger. Something I noticed more at this rally, and I didn't go to the rally, I didn't watch the rally, but something I noticed was the fact that 
Kevin McCarthy was booed. He he was booed, and I, I'm pretty sure his his address was virtual. But his video was booed. He's not the leader of the party. He doesn't have the influence that he expects to have in the party. Kevin McCarthy is not a trustworthy MAGA figure. He shouldn't be propped up by, by President Trump, in my opinion. And so if he was booed, if he was torn down by this crowd, will that make Trump rethink his loyalty to Kevin McCarthy? And I don't, I don't have video of this, but but this is just from what I've read over the weekend. I didn't spend that much time on my phone, on my social media this weekend. I was spending it with my family, but... Will that think rethink his support of Kevin McCarthy? I sure hope so. And we'll see that as we move forward here on the Conservative Crusader. I'll let you know, obviously, come the the speaker elections, speaker elections next Saturday or next January, we will see if there is a a a new speaker in town. We will have to see. Quick programming note: there will not be a podcast this Friday. Uh, possibly, there may be, there may not be, but I'm letting you know now, there may not be one this next Friday. I will not be home uh, Friday. What day would that be? It would be the 3rd, I believe. June 3rd. There may not. It's June already. Wow. There may not be a podcast. But until then, my name is Jupy Josh. Be right back tomorrow with a brand new episode, a Wednesday edition of the Conservative Crusader. But as for this Tuesday edition, we are wrapping it up. Make sure you follow me on social media, Josh 20 on Twitter, on Instagram. Gab is at GOP Josh, Getter, Parlor, Telegram, Truth, the same. Facebook at GOP Josh. Uh, follow Red Truth Radio on social media at Red Truth Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Truth Social. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode here on the Conservative Crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. 